the Lord. I mean, that's just beyond repeat. Wonderful when you raise a sheep. Hey, your sheep. <laughs> yeah, I know you have the real daddy. Uh, good to see you. Happy Father's Day. You're expecting a Father's Day message, yeah? <laughs> I, I'm not. I am not a, a, a singing type preacher. My baby says, "Oh, the message that you have is basically a Father's Day message," uh, because if anybody has to make sure that their walk is different since they've been a child of God, it's definitely the father. We're the leaders of the
Hallelujah. So in conclusion, one of the biggest things in our church today is complacency. We, we, we have become comfortable just going to church. We have become comfortable in doing our own little things. But once you become a child of God, you become a soldier of the cross. Every day you are on the battlefield for the Lord. Somebody say amen. It says, turn to me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Now, in, well, it could be 1 through 9, but in the, in the middle of this, I'm going to go from uh, after verse. Verse 1, he says, And you, he may make 
and you he made alive. Line 4, thank you, good. Who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. The Spirit who now works in the sons, and that word sons there is huios, which means the descendants of man. And the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, when you were born, and by nature, children of wrath, just as the others were. But then he says, but God, everybody say, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He says, because by grace you have been saved. Somebody say amen. And this Paul gives a preamble of verse 8 and 9. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. What you have received, it is a gift of God, and it's not of works. It's not of what you can do. Lest anyone should boast, for we are His. We are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Somebody say amen. And let's finish verse 6 and 7. He says, And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, we are instructed. He says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, he says, So, because you have received him, so you walk in him. Doesn't take rocket science. Listen, your walk in your daily conduct, your daily life, of your life, your your habitual ways are, are your the direction of your path. When a person receives Christ Jesus as Savior and become and Jesus becomes the Lord of their life, that person say I'm that person. That person is to live a changed life. And you, that by walking your life in a brand new direction. My question to you this morning is this. Since you have said, I do 
to Christ Jesus has your walk been different? Hello? Since you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, is your walk different? If it's not, then it should be. Listen, too many believers have substituted many words or just words for their walk. They, 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 can, they can talk a, a, a great Christian life, but they don't walk it. They're all talk and no walk. They call, listen, they call Christ Lord, but they fail to back it up with how they live. They talk, they talk, but don't walk the walk. And our baby introduced me to a song some time ago from Mark Kennel. It's a great Southern Gospel song, and, and the chorus goes something like, "Your walk talks louder than your your walk talks louder than your talk walk." No, your walk talks louder than your talk talk. Period. I have five things I want to bring to you this morning. I'll bring to you as quickly as I can, but I want you to understand. First, the new walk of a believer ought to be different than his or, than his or her old walk. Can you say amen to that? In Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 3, once again, it says, And you, you, you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and fulfilling the desires of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. A walk, listen, a walk that is according to the course of this world, the systems of practice, and the standards associated with secular living or secular society, such as a fleshly walk. A fleshly walk is indulging the desires of the flesh and the desires of the mind. John Piper writes these words. He says, The flesh is the old ego that is self-reliant and does not delight and will not yield to any authority or depend on any mercy. Listen, flesh craves a sensation of self-generated power. Flesh craves the sensation of the love of, of God and the praises of man. When you are when your when your walk is, is to find that I would rather have the praise of man than the blessings of God, then your walk is wrong. It's wrong completely. He says that it is in its conservative form, it produces legalism, keeping rules by its own power and for its own glory. And its more liberal form, it produces grossly immoral attitudes and produces immoral acts. It produces what's in it for me. And a lot of our people that come to church, if they can't receive anything from it, they won't go. Hello? Can you say amen or me? In verse 3, once again, 
It says this, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like just as the others. Listen, it says according to the course of this world, first was the fleshly walk, then comes the self-oriented walk. And here's where the Bible speaks of the world, and it refers to the self-centeredness and the godless value system that the world offers and more of a fallen man. The, the goal, listen, the goal of this present world is this, is self. Everything out there is self. Self-glory, self-fulfillment, self-indulgence, self-satisfaction, and anything, anything that you can put self in front of. Hello? You, you either agree with me or don't agree with me. Because that's all this world would offer. If it's, not, if it's not good for me, it's not good for anybody. Hello? That's, that's how we act. Now, according to the course of this world, we, have, we produce a fleshly walk. We produce a self-oriented walk. We produce now a disobedient walk, un, unwilling and refusing to comply with the demands of God. And uh, listen, I want you to really turn with me and mark Ecclesiastes 8 and 11. I know you he, 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 This is why, this is why people will continue to live and walk in sin even after they said, I do to Christ. And how they do that, I have no idea because our walk should exemplify Jesus Christ and not the world. I said our walk should exemplify Jesus Christ and His life and not the world. Listen to what it says. And because the sentence against an evil work is not executed exceedingly. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Well, I didn't call that. I did get taught that time, so I guess you know God just going to go for a little bit, and I can do it again. This is yes. This is no. Because you know what I'm saying is true. Because I didn't get taught. I'll just try it again. This is a walk that is according to the prince and the power of the air. It's not of God. This walk is not of God. It's of the world. And the only thing that this world can offer you is what Satan offers you. Somebody say amen. Because, listen, because this world is satanically influenced and satanically dominated by this world. 1 John 5, 19 says this, We know that, that we are of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. If you listen to the world, you're only going to get swayed toward the world, not toward God. Why I said, why I cannot understand is why the church is letting the world come in and dominate the, the worship service, come in and dominate the, everything that, 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 the, that, that the world does. My Bible tells me that we need to come out of the world. Come ye out from among them and be separate. How can you be separate from the world if you act like the world? Hello? You can't do it. Our walk, everybody, the church's walk should be different, completely different from the world. Completely. Listen. Hear me. Now, 
want I'm, I'm go, I want you to understand that I, I took this from Barna, and Barna is is a statistic for Christians for the churches. And a Barna survey of nine thousand people in Dallas, Houston, and Austin in nineteen twenty sixteen that nearly two out of every three adults, sixty two percent, agreed that Satan is not a living being but it's only a symbol of evil. 62% of 9,000 people surveyed. Listen, the, the response, believe it or not, has remained relatively consistent throughout the, all the 90s and up until 2016. And among, uh, and among the more surprising finding, however, is that the majority of born-again Christians that were surveyed denied Satan even existing. 58% of them. Let me tell you, I want to tell you right here. Everybody look at me. Satan is alive and well, y'all. Hello? And he's very real. And he is out to get you. And if he can get you, he will do that. This is yes. This is no. This is I don't care. And among three-fourths of the Catholics, because over Catholics, I mean, three-fourths of the Catholics that were surveyed say that the devil is not even real, non-existent. 76% of them said that. So listen to this. Women out of the 9,000, no, not, not everybody, out of the 9,000 are surveyed, women are more likely than men to reject Satan's existence. There were 64% out of 59% that Satan doesn't even exist. Tell you right now, Ephesians six twelve. I would believe God's report and God's word more than I would believe the word world any day. Amen. Ephesians six twelve says this: For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of, of wickedness in heavenly places. Satan is alive, and Satan is well, and Satan is out to get you. Number two, the walk of a believer ought to be a worthy walk. The walk of a believer ought to be a worthy walk. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3 says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, plead with you, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Listen to me. Walk in a manner worthy of and consistent with one's position as a member of the body of Christ. Is what he's talking about. Luke 1, verses 5 and 6 says these words in talking about Zacharias and Elizabeth. He said, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judah a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and walking in all the ordinances of the Lord blameless. In other words, they walked worthy according to what God wanted us to walk. When we, listen, when we glorify God, when we walk in God's Word, when we walk in God's light, when we lift up the name of Jesus Christ, and every day that we
we do and everything that we do, God says, I will bless those that bless you. And those that lift up the name of God, He says, I will bless you. When you lift up my name, I will lift up you. I will lift you away. We can't lose, people. Walk in His light. And Colossians 1 10 says that you, you, that's talking to you, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being faithful in every work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And the only way that you can increase in the knowledge of God is keeping your nose in that book. That's it. The word worthy here in the Greek is axios. And the word axios means to, to balance the weight Strictly speaking, that means that, that bringing one side of the beam up to the other side, that when the scales are balanced, they both weigh the same. It's meaning weighing as much as or, 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 or of like or equal value or worthy as much. It means having the weight of, of, of one thing and, and so being like value of the other thing. In other words, I, I walk to be so that the life is balanced out in the words that we profess out of our mouth. If we profess a good Christian life, then our walk should be a good Christian life. Bearing fruit in the balance of this worthiness, both the fruit of the Spirit and producing fruit of a like kind is what it's talking about. Listen, the believer who walks in a manner worthy of the calling with which he has been called is one is the one whose daily life corresponds to his high position as a child of God and a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. Your walk should exemplify Jesus in everyday life. With everyday life living natural, his privileged position of being what he says, as I am a child of God. I love what Wardell Moody says about walking worthy and, and blameless and keeping your, your nose in the Word of God. And he says uh, that every Bible should be wrapped in sea level. Can you say amen to that? Third, the new walk of believer ought to be a loving walk. The new walk as a believer ought to be a loving walk. In Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, talking to you, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. He gave himself as an offering. He gave himself as a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. He gave us everything because his love for us. Listen, our agape walk, our love walk, should be a self-sacrificial love. Not a love based on sentiment. Not a love based on emotion. But a love that's based on, a on will. A love that's based on action. Listen, love ought to be the motivating power and deciding factor in the life of every believer, every one of us. The old walk was a 
selfish walk. But our new walk should be a giving and a loving walk. I found a poem that says this, Love ever gives, forgives, outlives, and never stands with open hands. And while it lives, it gives. For this is love's prerogative, to give, and then give, and then give some more. That's what love is. Amen? Listen, what people, what the church, I'm going to put this up, what the church needs to learn in life, and all of us, is how to love people and use things, not use people. And love things. Hello? We have a pastor. Romans 13, 8 says, Oh, no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. He that loves one another has fulfilled. Listen, our death to each other, to the church. I'm not talking about this building. I'm not talking about Robinson Avenue. Our debt to each member of the body of Christ is lifting each other up, not tearing each other down. Can you say amen? First John 4, 7 says these words, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Listen, if you if you if you dislike your your, your Christian brother, Christian friend, I'll accept your love. I'll accept your, your salvation. Fourth, our new walk as a believer ought to be an enlightened walk. Ought to be an enlightened walk. Ephesians 5 says this. Says this. It says, for you. Everybody say me. I mean we. Everybody say me. It says, for you were once darkness. What? You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Then he gives an imperative sentence. An imperative sentence means a command. He says, you walk as children of light. You can't walk as children of light if you have one foot in the darkness. If you have one foot in the world. Listen, every man, except those that believe, every man walks in darkness. In fact, the Word says, that that person is darkness. He is darkness. Darkness, listen, darkness describes the whole nature of an unregenerated person. If you have not been born again, you are an unregenerated person. That person, he's not blood washed. He is not blood bought. There is no reflection of God in him, or there is no presence of God in his life. He's unregenerated. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way, Therefore, 
if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things. Everybody look at me. Old things. Your old walk, your old talk, your old ways. They're gone. He says, and have passed away. He said, Behold, all. And the word all in the Greek it means exactly just that. All. He says, All things have become new. Your walk, your talk, and your ways. If they, listen to me, listen to me. If they have not become new, then there has been no change. Basically, Ephesians 5 8 says this. It says, You who are now believers, you were darkness. That was then. This is now. Now, don't behave like those that are still in the darkness, is what it's saying. 2 Corinthians 6 14, it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Listen, Amos 3.3 says it even better with this. Now listen to me. I tell people, if you can't agree and walk in God's Word, then you can't agree with God. Hello? And Amos 3, 3 says, Can two walk together unless they agree? If you can't agree and abide in God's Word, then you can't agree with God. Hello? Can two walk together unless they agree? Do not you be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with all of And what communion
listen clear and true. I want to show forth Jesus in everything I do. I don't like smoky lamps, Lord, or candles dim and slow. I don't like flickering, hazy lights that means do not shine and glow. You have told me in your word, Lord, to let my light so shine that those who look into my face will know that I am now. Hello? Can that me? Listen, John 1, 7, 9 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, has cleansed us all from all these things. Every one of us. When we walk in His light, people can look at, and we, we, when we let our light so shine, it's like that old song that the kids say, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Listen, you can't make your light shine if you're walking in the world. You can only let your shine if you're walking in His light. Hello? And you're the reflection of His light. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? Are you? ourselves and the truth is not in us. But then he gives us verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In other words, to put us back in right standing with him. Then it goes, it goes back to Ecclesiastes 8.1 where you think that you've got it, got away with it one time and you think you get away with it another time. Listen, you're, you're not walking in his life. You're walking in the world.
study showed that for some unknown reason, humans just can't walk in straight lines. And there's, there's something about our inner orientation that causes us to walk in a crooked and warped manner. At least that was the conclusion of Robert Kulik, who at the time was the science correspondent to the National Public Radio. In, in an interview of the Morning Edition, Kulik cites a study from Dr. Jan Schulman, who is a scientist from Germany. And Dr. Schulman blindfolded his subjects and then asked them to walk for an hour in a straight line. Without exception, nobody could do it. And of course, everybody thinks that they're when they're blindfolded that they're walking in a straight line until they remove the blindfold and they're observed their crooked path. Fully observed that the tendency has been studied for at least a hundred years. And back in the twenties, was a, a test was shown. And you could literally, literally see what happens to men who were blindfolded and told to walk across a field in a straight line or swim across a lake in a straight line. And they couldn't. Now, I, watched, I was going to bring a, a, a clip, but it was too long of a discussion. And they were supposed to swim from one side to the other blindfolded. They went everywhere but a straight line. In the animation, you can see them going in these strange loop to loops in either direction. Apparently, there's a profound inability in humans to walk straight. And according to his research, there's only one way that we, as individuals, can walk in a straight line. fix our eyes on something ahead of us, we can make ourselves avoid our normal crooked course. Fullest concludes, without external cues, there's apparently something in us that makes us turn from walking in a straight line. surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and the King James Version says beset us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2 says looking focusing Fixing our eyes unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our new walk should be different from our old walk. Our new walk should be a worthy walk. Our new walk should be a loving walk. Our new walk should be an enlightening walk. And our new walk should be a careful walk. Verse 4 and 5 of Ephesians 2 says this, But God, everybody say, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. He says, yes, by grace you have been saved. Be alive.
everybody say, Brother Raider, I need to do better. And that message, and that message was for me. Yeah, you need to make it right today. 